Well, it's been good to be here this morning at Forks Light Baptist Church. Enjoyed all that good singing. I think I could have kept on singing for another hour. I love it. Uh, but it's good to be here. Glad to have those that are with us. Glad to have those that are watching online or may watch this later. Uh, we are in uh, back in our Roman study, our sermon series. This will be part number 55 of our Rooting Through Romans sermon series. And uh, this morning, Lord willing, we're going to look at chapter 16, verses 5 through 16. Romans 16, 5 through 16. I titled the message this morning, Paul, a friend to many. Paul, a friend to many. Let's go ahead and read our text, Romans chapter 16, starting with verse 5. And here the Bible says, Likewise greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinetus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachius, my beloved. Salute Apolles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that, are, that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who, are, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, who labored, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncterus and Phlegon and Hermas and Petrobus, Hermes and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philogus and Julia, Nerissus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Help us now as we try to preach. May you receive any glory from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's a, a long list of names that we just read off, and maybe I got a few of them right. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Uh, I try my best. But uh, lots of people that Paul has brought out in this uh, greeting or salutation, if you will, in this letter he's written to the, the believers in Rome. Now, I know a lot of times we've referred to the church at Rome. Uh, there was not a central location or building that the, all the Christians met in that was called the church. They met in different households. So there were many congregations in Rome that made up the, the believers in Rome, which we refer to as the church. Now we know there's a universal church. Anyone that's saved in Jesus Christ belongs to the universal church of Christ. However, there are local congregations. Now, I'm a strong believer in the local assembly. Uh, that's what we have here. This is a local assembly. And the local assembly should be made up of those that live in the community, those that are uh, uh, like-minded, of course, believers in Christ, you must be saved to be a member of a church. I know there's a lot that are not. A lot of people are on church rolls that are not saved. But uh, true, um, the church members must be saved. And to come together as a church member in, or in a certain congregation or assembly, you, uh, you need to be like-minded. You don't need to be joining an assembly where you don't believe the same way they believe or they have a different way of looking at uh, scripture perhaps or the way they do things or maybe the way they worship. If you don't agree with it, you ought not be there. And so it's with like-minded people that we congregate together with. Um, we also don't congregate together with those outside of Christianity. Not, we don't congregate with Muslims. 
You know, there's this big saying, coexist. There's a bumper sticker, coexist, and it's got all the little symbols of religion. That is not how the Lord intends for us to do. Now, if they're saved, if they're saved through Christ or Christians, yes, we can coexist. But we can't coexist with a Muslim, somebody that's going around trying to uh, kill uh, all of us infidels, in their, in their words. And so uh, we don't assemble together with those of other faiths. We only assemble together with fellow Christians. But here Paul mentions all these people. Altogether, there's 29 people mentioned here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all those here in just a little bit. But uh, as we continue through here, and we've already looked at the first few verses, the first four. The first one, of course, being uh, Phoebe. And she was a servant of the church, the Bible says. She was a great help to Paul. And uh, we believe she was probably the one who bore the letter to the Romans from Paul uh, to take to Rome. So uh, we've already talked about Phoebe in great detail, a whole message around Phoebe the helper of the church. And then we focused our attentions on the next ones there, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and saw how they were this great husband and wife team that helped Paul in the gospel. They were his, uh, his uh, helpers there. They did many things. And then we get to these next people on the list, and nearly all of these are unknown anywhere else besides this portion of Scripture. You won't see these names anywhere else. A few of them you will, uh, at least a couple. But uh, we're going to go down through here and look at these verses and, and uh, talk about these. Some of these names will be taken together and just making a general comment on. Some of them we'll look at closely. Uh, but as we continue through here, we want to look at this last, this, the, the list of names that he mentions. Now, most of these, but not all these, are Greek names. Most of them are Greek names. And, uh, for example, let's look at, uh, first of all, this first one. Uh, five, uh, chap verse five there as we started out. Likewise, greet the churches in her house. That's, that goes with the previous verse with Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, then he says, salute my well-beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. So this next person that Paul mentions here is Epinetus. Now this is the only time this man is mentioned in scripture anywhere. Paul calls him my well-beloved. Now that is a very important uh, phrase or usage of that word well-beloved. It's only used three times in the Bible. Well-beloved. Now there is beloved and there is those that are loved and all that, but a well-beloved person is only mentioned three times. And one of those was the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned it in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 12 and 6. It says, Having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will reverence my son. Now, of course, this is Jesus when he's telling parables. And he's talking about that parable of the vineyard where the father sends the, the people out to, to collect the fruits and they keep killing off everybody's sins. And then he sends, sends his only son, his well-beloved. And what happens? They kill him. And so uh, they were going to collect the fruit of the vineyard and the husbandmen, that's what the, the vineyard keepers are, that were being paid to take care of uh, the vineyard owner, the, the father, they were getting paid to do that. And so he thought, well, I send my son, they'll pay respect to him, and they'll do what they're supposed to do, and they did, and they killed him. Well, Jesus here in this parable said that that son was the well-beloved. Now, of course, this is uh, an example of Christ uh, being sent by the father, the well-beloved Christ, my one and only begotten son. 
And then in 3 John 1 and 1, the Bible says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. So there, as we have John writing about this man Gaius, and he says he's well-beloved. And this is John's greeting. We don't know anything else about him either. And then here in our text in Romans 16 and 5, Epinetus, my well-beloved. So we don't know exactly you know, what kind of uh, things this man's done, but he holds a special place in Paul's heart to be called his well-beloved. Now, notice also here in verse 5, he refers to him as the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Now, in the Jewish system, we've studied this before, but in the Jewish system, the first fruits was a small gathering of the first fruits or crops that were planted and had come up when they harvested them. That first sampling of those were to go to as a sacrifice. And so those were given over, and that was what was referred to as the first fruits. It was the Lord's sacrifice. So what this meant, means is that Epinetus was one of the first converts during Paul's ministry when he started out on his missionary journeys. Um, and so it says he's from Achaia, which is a Roman province in Corinth. So that all, you know, it all just flows right into place. This man is one of the very first people who was saved under Paul's preaching. He's first fruit. Now, interestingly enough, Epinetus is not the only one the Bible says is the first fruits of Achaia. Um, listen to what Paul wrote in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16 and 15. He said, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And so you have these Bible, Bible doubters that, that, you know, they pop up and say, well, look, there's another mistake in the Bible. How could, how could this man Epinetus be the first fruits of Achaia and, and then the house of Stephanus be as well? So yeah, your Bible's got a mistake in it. So you can't believe everything. Well, there's a problem with that. Who's to say that Epinetus is not part of the household of Stephanus? <laughs> we don't see, see anything else about this man in the Bible. Why is he not from that household? Well, he probably is. He's probably of that household. And there's no mistake or conflict here. Besides, during the first fruits, there was not just one fruit given. There were many. It was a gathering of all the first fruits. And so, Epinetus, if he didn't belong to the household of uh, Stephanus, then uh, even if he didn't, if he was one of the first converts there in this region, then he would be considered a first fruit. And so, there's no mistake in the Bible. Anybody that comes and tells you there's mistakes in your Bible, uh, have them turn around and just kick them real hard in the hind end because they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so let's look at the next verse there. Verse 6. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Well, here Paul greets a woman named Mary. Now, <laughs> the name Mary in the Bible is, is abundant. There's probably more women in the Bible named Mary than any other name. Um, in fact, there's... Um, there's six different women in the Bible that's named Mary. And I wrote them down here for you so you didn't have to look them up. But there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of course, we all know that. Uh, we think of that first First of all. There's Mary Magdalene. Remember, Jesus had cast out seven demons from her. And she was so faithful to Jesus. There was Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. 
And there was Mary, the mother of James. And there was Mary, the mother of John Mark. And here we see Mary uh, of Rome. Now, we don't know where she's from, but she's in Rome right now because Paul is greeting her. And somewhere along the way, she has bestowed much labor on Paul and his ministry team. That's what he said, who bestowed much labor on us. So, really, that's all we know about her. She was a worker, a helper. She may have been a lot like Priscilla and Aquila, you know, that came along and helped out any, any way that she could. And uh, so Paul gives her a special place in this greeting. Uh, look at the next verse, verse 7. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Now, two more names right here, Andronicus and Junia. These are both Jewish names, and notice that Paul refers to them as my kinsmen. So you have people saying, well, they were related to Paul. That's not necessarily what that means. When he says kinsmen, and Paul uses this phrase a lot of times to refer to those uh, that were Jews, fellow Jews. And so he would call them kinsmen. So it doesn't mean they were actually blood-related or part of his family, uh, down in verse 11, he referred to Herodian as his kinsman as well. And so Paul often referred to those of the Jewish race as, as kinsmen, such as in Romans 9.3, when he said, For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's referring to Jews right there. So it doesn't mean his, his personal family. Now, as for Andronicus and Junia, this may have been a husband and wife team because the name Junia can be a male name or a female name. I personally believe that it's, it's a husband and wife right here. <clears throat> I can't tell you that dogmatically. I, I, I don't know. But uh, Andronicus means man of victory is the, is the definition of that name. And Junia means youthful. So, you know, uh, the name could go either way. But I tend to believe it is a, a female who Paul is speaking of. Now, both of these people have been imprisoned as well uh, with Paul at some point. We don't know when. It's, it's not mentioned anywhere in the Bible about these two people being with Paul in prison. But he says that they were note among the apostles. I was reading uh, several different um, commentaries centered around this right here. And there's some, you've got to really be careful. Some of them were saying, see right here, these two people were apostles. And that, that proves that there's women apostles because Junia was a woman. And, and Paul said that she was noted among the apostles. Uh, so be very careful what you, what you read. Um, there's no women apostles. Um, and besides, this is, don't, don't mean that they themselves were apostles. They were noted among them. Noted means that they were known of the apostles. And so they were familiar with them, probably Peter, James, John, you know, those uh, disciples of Christ, those other apostles. And they probably also lived around Jerusalem and probably were saved around the time that Peter preached at the day of Pentecost. They became saved Christians because Paul says that they were uh, in Christ before him. So they've been saved a lot longer than Paul has been. And they were known among the, the apostles. Now, uh, an interesting thing to note here, if Junia indeed is a, a female, a lady, then out of the 29 names mentioned in this um, salutation, 10 of them are women. 
the Paul mission. Now, if if Junior is a, a man, then there's nine out of the twenty nine. But ten women mentioned in Paul's greeting. Uh, there's Phoebe, Priscilla, Mary, Junia, uh, Tryphosa, Persis, Rufus's mother, uh, Julia, and Nerissa's sister. So that's ten different uh, females that Paul mentions in his letter. Now, if you do much studying, um, extra biblical, not not biblical studying, not seeing what it says in the Bible, but like commentaries and books and uh, things like that of people's ideas and thoughts around a lot of stuff, you'll find that there is this one faction of people out there that don't agree with Paul on hardly anything. They want to rip Paul's letters out of the Bible. They they say that they're teaching a different gospel than the gospel of Jesus. And, uh, you know, um, coincidentally, this morning I was reading uh, on social media and Brother Morgan uh, out of Ball Road um, he posted something about people that, that claim that uh, Paul preached a different gospel and then he gave scripture references out of the gospels where Mark and John and all those had agreed with Paul in many things. And so, um, you know, the, the proof is in the Bible. Paul was an apostle called out of due time. He was, you know, uh, it was after Christ had been crucified, risen from the dead. But, uh, the Lord met him personally on the road to Damascus and appointed him as an apostle. And he gave him this gospel, this information that we're reading today. This is not what Paul made up on his own. The Lord, God, is the author of the scripture. Now, the men that wrote it down, like Paul, and even he had somebody else scribing this letter for him. Uh, they were the human penmen. They wrote down the things, but God inspired. Every word is inspired by God. That's important. And so we see here that a lot of people believe that Paul was some male chauvinist, that he hated women. A lot of that comes from what he said in, in Corinthians because that church was so messed up. And he had to, to, to put forth the strict roles of a woman in the church and exclude them from ministry of preaching and pastoring and deacons and saying that their place was in the home and with the, the, the husband, and they need, if they needed to learn, to learn from the husband and, and all this. And so a lot of people say, well, Paul was a male chauvinist pig, you know. And he hated women and all this. Well, if he hated women, why did he list ten of them in his salutation here? Why, out of all the people that Paul knew in his life, and he knew thousands, probably millions of people that he'd met on all of his journeys, why did he uh, select ten women to mentioned in this. He knew that women had a very high priority in the church. They're needed. Women have a role in the church. It's not pastoring or being a deacon, but they have a role in the church. And uh, most churches today, if it wasn't for women, would go under. Women are the supporters of the church. They they have reasonable thinking. A lot of men, you know, we get together and, and next thing you know, we're all bullheaded and it's, it's my way or the highway. And if, it, if men were the only ones that were running the church today, most churches would have to close. Uh, too lazy to get out of bed and go to the church, most men today. Uh, you know, it's horrible. Dad's laying around in bed. Mother gets up and gets the kids and takes them to church. And so I believe the role of a woman in the church today is still very important as well. And like I said, I'll go as far as to say if it wasn't for women, most churches would, would close. 
Uh, now, I want to look at these next ten names together in verses 8 through 12. Let's read that again. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Stachys, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labored in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Now, like most of the 29 people Paul mentions, these 10 people are not heard of anywhere else in Scripture as well. Um, but that don't mean they wasn't important. They were important to Paul. That's why he mentioned them. Um, you won't find these in the Bible, uh, anybody else in the Bible, giving such list of people in their uh, letters that are ending. Peter don't do it. John didn't do it. Uh, Matthew, Mark, they didn't do it. So, you know, Paul was unique in the, in the scriptures that he listed all these people that the, the Lord had him uh, pin these down. And so uh, most of these, if not all of them, were probably saved under Paul's preaching. Uh, he was their spiritual leader. Just as any good shepherd is, he watches over the flock. And they know his voice. Uh, look at the next verse, verse 13. Salute Rufus. Chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. All right. Now, this is an interesting verse right here. I want to talk about this here for just a minute. Uh, the name Rufus, does that sound familiar to anyone? All right. So, in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, just go ahead and turn there. Mark 15 and 16. And, of course, this is during the, uh, the rest and um, uh, the beating and and all that of Christ right before his crucifixion. Mark 15 and 16. It says, And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and planted a crown of thorns and put it about his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Rufus. He's mentioned twice in the Bible here, and if it's the same one, uh, there in, in uh, Mark 15 and in Romans chapter 16. Now we can't positively say that that's definitely the same Rufus, but I believe it was. I believe that this Rufus was the son of Simon Serenian who carried the cross of Christ on his back. I believe that uh, that's probably where he learned of the gospel first. Um. The human penman of the, of the Gospel of Mark, John Mark, it is believed that he wrote that Gospel in Rome, and it was actually to the Romans. And so I believe there was a connection there with Mark and the church, and that name Rufus was familiar to those in Rome. And Paul mentions him here because they all would know him. Um, he very well could have bore witness to his father carrying that cross and and uh, learned about Christ that way, and maybe that's how he got saved. We don't know. 
But uh, another very interesting thing, look back there now, back in Romans 16 and 13, what else Paul said about this? In verse 13, he says, and his mother and mine. His mother and mine. Now, Paul and Rufus were not brothers. They were not blood brothers. Uh, Rufus's mother was not Paul's birth mother. More than likely, Paul just saw her as a mother figure. Somewhere along the line, we don't know when, maybe it was when Paul was having to be very careful when he was there uh, being ran out. Remember, he had to be lowered over a wall to make an escape. And perhaps she took him in. Maybe that's how he met Rufus and, and his mother. And that she treated him like her own son. You know, perhaps she put him up, took care of him, fed him, made sure he had what he needed, and he saw her as someone that was was like a mother to him. You know, you've heard people say things like that. You know, I was raised by someone, so she's like a mother to me. Uh, maybe that's what Paul means right here, but she's not a flesh and blood mother. But that, that just goes to show how important that this woman was to Paul, that he was willing to say, you know, Ruth's mother and mine. You know, I, I love her just like I would my own mom. All right, now let's look at these next 11 names that are in the next two verses. 11 names stuck in just two little verses. Salute Asyncrius and Phlegon and Her, uh, Hermas and Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philogus and Julia, Nerissus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Now, if you want to consider the brethren that's with them and the saints with them, there's even more than just 11 people. But... Uh, here again is a mixture of both men and women who Paul loved and cared for. And like the previous 11 people, they were probably saved under Paul's preaching. He met them somewhere, not in Rome, because Paul's not been to Rome. But they're in Rome right now. That's why he's greeting them in this salutation. And so he's you know, saying, hi, you know, we'll salute, we'll salute you. And by the way, the Bible uses both greet and salute in the exact same way because they both come from the same Greek word. But in some cases, it's greet. In some places, it's salute. But uh, that's, that's just uh, unique, uh, for, especially for this section right here. But he's greeting them. That's in Rome. He's not been there yet, but he wants to mention them because he knows them. They're fellow church members. They you know, probably got saved. They knew Paul. He's been in congregations with them. And uh, they're important. Now, one thing we can say about Paul, and I titled the message, remember that, uh, Paul, a friend of many, uh, Proverbs 18 and 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, most of us think about that verse a lot. You know, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, we always think of the Lord Jesus sticking with us, never leaving us nor forsaking us. However, that first part of that verse, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Paul certainly was a man who was friendly with other people. That's how he knew so many people. And like I said, he's the only person in the Bible that mentions this big list of folks that he wants to greet. Yeah, I don't see uh, Matthew running out and greeting all these people. <laughs> so uh, one thing's for sure we can say about Paul. He's a man with many friends. Now, it's not easy to have friends in the ministry. It really isn't. Um, there are many people that pretend to be your friend or they'll come along for a little while and act like your friend until they get from you what they want. That's happened to me so many times. So many times. Uh, whether it's some missionary wanting to friend, make friends with me so I'll support their ministry. 
And then if I, I don't want to, then they just completely they vanish off the face of the earth and never hear from them again. Um, now, back when I preached in a building uh, other than our home, uh, I had a we had a large share. I mean, it was a very large building. And I don't know why, but when a man preaches in a building, he gets a lot more attention from other preachers. They want opportunities. They want to come and visit and be there and preach and give you, get, want you to give them opportunities. I had a lot of people that did that to me. Do you know ever since we've been, and by the way, next Sunday's homecoming to be three years since we began this this church, Porchlight. But ever since we began this church, I have not had one single preacher come to me and ask about preaching or even wanting to visit or anything. Not one single one. When I pastored over at the big building at Highland Baptist Church, I got calls probably every week or, or at least every two or three weeks. Men wanting to come out. Uh, missionaries wanting to come out. Preachers wanting to come. Evangelists wanting to come. They were calling. They were texting. They were emailing. They were showing up in services, whatever it took. They wanted you know, to interject themselves in that because I pastored a big building. <laughs> you talk about shallow. So it's hard a lot of times in the ministry to make friends. I can count on this hand right here how many real friends I have in the ministry. And I could probably count on three fingers, really. Um, I can tell you this, I've got one friend in the ministry, Brother Jonathan Tharp. He's the best friend I got in the ministry. Uh, probably in, you know, and otherwise as well. Of course, my wife, I would consider her my best friend. But, uh, and the Lord, of course. But, Brother Jonathan, he's, uh, I can always rely upon him, count upon him. He's always there for me. He calls, he uh, he texts, he messages me, he asks me how I'm doing. Um, I consider him my pastor. And so there's very few. There's been a lot of men that's come up alongside of me, like I said, before we began this church, who uh, pretended to be my friend until I, the Lord led me from there, and then they, they dropped me. I don't hear from them anymore. Not anymore. So... It is tough to, to make friends in ministry, but Paul was unique. And that was a, a unique time that Paul lived in as well, as the gospel was brand new. This area that we live here in East Tennessee is considered the Bible Belt. Even people that, that don't go to church you know, or anything, they have some kind of knowledge. Most of them in this area have some kind of knowledge about church or, or religious things. And uh, it's different. But uh, we still, we need to be friendly um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Paul was a man with many friends. All right. Then Paul ends this greeting uh, in salutations with this verse, verse 16. He says, salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now, in Paul's day, that was common. Christians, when they came together, uh, when they would greet each other, they would kiss each other either on the forehead or the cheek. I've read in some places they kissed on the beard. Um, uh, seems kind of gross, but <laughs> uh, that's what they did. They even did that in Jewish days, too. In the Old Testament, the Jews, when they came together, they would do that. But uh, this carried on over into Christianity. And in the early church, that's what they did. Uh, you remember, most of those people in the early church, their families forsook them. They didn't agree with what they were doing. If you were a Jew and you accepted Christianity, you were written out. 
And so they didn't have people to go to anymore. Their families had disowned them. And so when they come there with their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, what do they do? They, they greet them with a holy kiss. Notice he said holy kiss. He didn't say a carnal kiss. Don't go up and do all that nasty stuff. <laughs> go up and kiss them uh, like a, you know, a holy kiss on the forehead or on the cheek. Uh, but Paul felt it was very important for them to remember this. This is not the only place in the Bible where it's mentioned. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.26, Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. In his letter to the his first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16.20, All the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with an holy kiss. In his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13.12, Greet one another with an holy kiss. Now, Paul wasn't the only one that that, that uh, suggested this, or I don't know if it's a suggestion or a commandment, but it kind of looks like he's saying do it. But the Apostle Peter, also, in his letter to those Christians that were scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which is what Peter's letters were written to, in 1 and 2 Peter, in 1 Peter 5 and 14, Peter says, Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so the early church, it was very common. You came together, you kissed one another uh, as, a, as a holy kiss of greeting. Now, in today's COVID-19 world, I don't recommend you go around kissing everybody. And actually, unless you're, it's your spouse, your children, your parents, or your grand, granny and papa, you shouldn't be kissing anybody in the church. <laughs> so... Um, but Paul's, uh, in the next part of this, Paul's going to spend the last part of this letter giving warnings. He's going to give some advice. Uh, he's going to greet, uh, send greetings from where he's at to those in Rome from people there. So there's going to be another list of people that he mentions that are very important. And uh, so we should be able to finish up this sermon series in probably two more messages. Uh, I thought maybe one, but I believe two more. But uh, we won't be in this next Sunday. Next Sunday, like I said, is homecoming. And Lord willing, I'll be pre preaching about something else, and I'm, I'm praying about what the Lord would have me preach. But uh, that's going to be next Sunday. And so don't forget that. We're going to have a big meal afterwards. We're going to have some fried chicken. Uh, lots of good stuff. And you know I love homecoming. I love it more than anything. And we're going to have some good singing and fellowship and just have a good time. So remember that for next Sunday, homecoming Sunday. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. I'm thankful, Lord, that you showed us this passage of Scripture, Lord, that where Paul, being a friend to many people, Lord, and giving these greetings, these salutations, and mentioning each one, Lord, they may not have been mentioned elsewhere in the Bible, but we know they're important. Lord, just as, if, as every Christian, every church member is important, Lord, and may we all realize that. Lord, because we have the most important message to share with the world, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just pray that you help us, that we're able to reach those the best that we possibly can. Lord, thank you for all the blessings you've given on this little church. Lord, we thank you and we love you. These things we ask in the name of Jesus, and amen.